Hello, I'm Karen Pascal. I'm the Executive Director of the Henry Nouwen Society. Welcome to a new episode of Henry Nouwen, Now and Then. Our goal at the Society is to extend the rich spiritual legacy of Henry Nouwen to audiences around the world. We invite you to share these podcasts with your friends and family. This week, singer-songwriter, author, and gifted teacher Carolyn Ahrens is my guest. Carolyn has released 14 albums and is the author of three critically acclaimed books. Fifteen of Carolyn's songs have become top 10 radio singles on the Canadian pop and U.S. Christian charts. Ahrens has earned two Dove Awards, three Juno nominations, and was recognized as the West Coast Music Awards Songwriter of the Year. In addition to her busy touring schedule, Carolyn has been a regular columnist for Christianity Today, Faith Today, and CT Women. She's served as an adjunct professor at a number of universities. Currently, Carolyn is the Director of Education for Renovari, a far-reaching organization that encourages and nurtures spiritual renewal. Renovari is releasing an online course called From the Inside Out, and Carolyn's going to be the primary teacher. It's addressing central questions of faith that you may be asking. Like, what is spiritual formation? What's my picture of God? What's my picture of myself? What's my picture of the gospel? How do people change and how do I follow Jesus in the time and place that I'm living in? Carolyn, welcome to Henry Now and Now and Then. Oh, Karen, it's so good to be back with you. What a pleasure. Lovely to have you. I'm really curious, Carolyn, why are these questions so important to you? Oh, what a good question about the questions, right? Right off the hop. You know, uh, for several years now, I've had the opportunity of overseeing something called the Renovari Institute, which is this two-year program that people go through. Most of it is online, but there are these four week-long residencies within the program. And the people that are drawn to this program are sort of lifelong followers of Jesus. A lot of them are um, you know, biblical professors or clergy or whatever. And these are the questions that we work with in this program. And they seem so basic. We start with, what is my picture of God? You know, now you would think someone who's a lifelong theologian or clergy person, or just a really mature, um, Christian, that this would be the most basic question that there could possibly be. And yet, uh, as soon as we start working on it, not what is my professed picture of God, but what is what's under the hood? What's my default picture of God? Who do I, how do I relate to God in, in times of stress or turmoil? Um, that question is the the meatiest question you could possibly begin with. And so we we have just learned over time that these really fundamental questions, especially what is my picture of God? What is my picture of myself? What is my understanding of the gospel? What do I think Jesus actually came to, to, to teach and to do and to change? Um, they're just questions you can live into for a lifetime. So we thought it would be fun to try to do this uh, kind of as jargon-free as possible uh, course, grappling with these questions in a more introductory way for people who might find them as interesting as we do. It is so interesting, these very basic questions and how we wrestle with them. And yet we don't think we do. Like, I'm going to go back to the very first question. You know, what's my picture of God? Why does that make any difference? I mean, yeah. really? And what's my picture of myself? Why do those two things make some sort of an impact on, on my spiritual journey? Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're, they're really everything that the, uh, there's a quote from William Temple 
where he says something to the effect of if if our picture of God is off, then the more religious we become, the worse we get. Like if there's something, if we don't have a picture of God that is sufficiently beautiful and good and true, if we don't understand that God is love all the way down, then sort of the more we try to be devout or follow him or be someone who loves uh, loves and follows God, actually the worse it will get. So it's, it's absolutely uh, critical. And then very close to that is um, the way we understand ourselves. Do we understand ourselves as uh, well, this is where, you know, it's such a privilege to talk to to someone who is carrying on Henry Nouwen's legacy, because this was so much of what he taught me and other people. If we don't understand that we are God's beloved right out of the chute, um, before we've earned anything, uh, done anything good, done anything bad, that we are God's beloved and there's nothing that we can do to change that, then we can never sort of live into our belovedness. And these two things are so related. Do we do we truly believe that God is love all the way down? That there's, you know, love is not just something God does. Love is who God is. And there's nothing we can do to change that about him, nor can we change his affection for us. Um, and all the all the great task of our life of becoming whole and holy flows out of our belovedness rather than uh, towards trying to earn our belovedness. So I don't know how clear I'm being, but these two things, understanding um, how, how good and unchangeably loving God is, and then understanding how much he loves us and accepts us as his little image bearers, um, they're just the starting field for anything good in our lives. They're just, they're just the, the starting line. Yeah. I love that expression, image bearers. You, we mm. need to see everybody as a God image bearer, right? Yes. I mean, this is, this is the thing. I, I, uh, for years at Renovari, I worked with a fellow named Chris Hall. He has just retired, but still teaches at the Institute. And he has this habit of Calling, he just never uses the term person or people or human or guy or girl. He just says, "Oh, look at that little image bearer." He just calls uh, ever all people all the time image bearers, and I always sort of laugh that you know if you're in traffic and someone cuts you off, if you make sure that whatever you're going to say about that person includes the phrase image bearer, it it kind of changes uh, what you're going to say and how you're going to feel. And same thing when you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror, if the first thing you see is God's precious image bearer, um, you know, which we see in the opening chapters of scripture that God makes this incredible universe out of his abundant creativity. Um, but the, the place of the culminating creation is the human being um, who, who bears his image utterly precious from the get-go. That's you, that's me, that's every human we encounter. And when we start to see the world that way, it just, it really changes the game. It's interesting because, uh, you hit upon our core purpose as an organization, Henry Nouwen Society, mm. is really to share Henry Nouwen's spiritual vision so that people can be transformed by experiencing themselves as God's beloved. I mean, that's just yeah. the core of what we want to do for every friendship, for every relationship we have. 
you know, and, and that was what I think was Henry's breakthrough to all of us, you know, his gift to us, because he had to resolve that in his own heart, you know, all his, his sense of brokenness. And then to find that I'm curious how Henry now has been a, an influence to you. I, I saw him sprinkled through the book I was reading. Tell me a little bit. Yeah. So, well, I know we talked about this the, the last time that we talked, how, how important Henry has been to me personally, and then also to my, to my work at uh, Renovari. Um, and for sure, Life of the Beloved and some of the things he's done in Return of the Prodigal Son and in In the Name of Jesus, this, this invitation to see God for this as this father that you can't unfather, you know, this father that um, the minute you do a, a, a tiny turning towards him is running towards you, um, that and then to, to, to understand I think it's in life of the beloved, you know, he says, first, first, we have to understand that we are the beloved, and then we have to live into it, we have to become the beloved. I don't know if there's a voice that has helped us more really with those two fundamental, fundamental questions, what is my picture of God, what is my um, uh, picture of myself, than Henry, certainly in, in modern times. Um, so yeah, for I've been reading Henry for years comforted and counseled by Henry for years. And then he's, he's kind of a secret weapon of healing in, in the Renovari Institute and in so many of the things um, that we do. And I think we talked about last time we did Life of the Beloved in the Renovari Book Club. And that was just incredibly helpful for people we use in the name of Jesus um, in the Renovari Institute to help people think about this invitation to move, you know, from a false self into a true, uh, identity as the beloved and um and yeah henry you know even the even the daily meditations you send out of the society are a constant source of nourishment for me so i'm really grateful for for him and for how you're continuing on his legacy oh thank you i'm so glad to know you're you're reading them i you know <laughs> it's funny because i think they're free i wish people would just read them and pass them on to others because i do think they're good food for the soul good food for the spirit i'm curious because you know, I first knew you as a singer-songwriter, and then all of a sudden your name shows up with Renovari. I think we need to know a little bit about what is Renovari and how did that come about? And I mean, I really discovered as I, I, I had the privilege of listening to this series, you're a fabulous teacher. You really are good at that. So I, I quite cherish that whole experience. But take me back. How did you connect with Renovari and what are you doing there now? Ah, these are all great questions. So Renovari is a spiritual formation organization or an organization that um, I'm laughing even as I say that. We have a, a new president these days, a, a fellow named Ted Harrow. He's excellent. He He's a recent graduate of the Renovari Institute. So he was my student and now he's my boss and he's wonderful. And he's always pushing against any kind of jargon language. He always wants us to to talk, um, you know, the way people talk in coffee shops. And so he would say, don't call us a spiritual formation organization, call us something else, you know? So we're an organization that I'm, we're still working on how to put that in more concrete language, but an organization with a vision very, actually very similar um, to the Henry Nouwen Society that we believe transformation happens when people understand that they are the beloved of God. And when they begin to understand how good and beautiful and wonderful God is, 
then they can open themselves up to how God wants to heal them and make them holy and unbend them and uh, lead them into flourishing for themselves and their families and their friends and their communities and the world. So we just like to do whatever we can um, to come alongside people, help them uh, take baby steps in that process. Renovari was founded by Richard Foster, uh, who wrote Celebration of Discipline. So he's always kind of had this vision for how classic spiritual disciplines are these tried and true ways of opening ourselves up to um, how God wants to work inside of us, draw us into deeper friendship with him. And so we do a, a bunch of different things and they're all quite fun. We we do podcasts and webinars and things like that. I get to oversee the Renovari Institute. We have the book club. We're trying online courses to see if they help folks. Um, my colleague, Nathan Foster, is working on an initiative called Fellowship of the Burning Heart, which is these little communities of trust and listening that are really quite beautiful. Um, so love Renovari. So that's, that's I think, uh, the answer to 1A of your question. What is Renovari? <laughs> um, 1B of your question, I think, was uh, how did a singer-songwriter end up uh, working with Renovari? And um, that's a great question. You know, very early in my in my music career, uh, really just in my life, I discovered some of the resources of Renovari. They were really making a difference for me. I have memories of uh, being on tour, uh, you know, opening for a, a bigger artist, being in the belly of an arena and using Renovari's devotional classics um, resource with my band as our devotional, like out on the road as a 20 something year old, um, at, which is actually where I first encountered Henry too, an excerpt uh, from Henry. Um, so th the work has been really important to me for years without me even really understanding that Renovari um, was an actual organization. I just had these these books and resources that had Renovari on the spine uh, that meant a lot to me. Over the years, you know, I've always been sort of a storyteller in, in concert. I know you, not too long ago, you had Steve Bell on and um, I love uh, the way Steve is in concert. And so, sometimes people will say that Steve and I are kind of similar in that it's as much about the stories between the songs as, as the songs. And um, so I always did a fair amount of yakking uh, and talking and telling stories in my concerts. And, and gradually, uh, more and more people started asking me to do more and more of the speaking side of that equation. So I started getting booked to do more and more, um, you know, retreat facilitation and speaking at different events and things like that. And um, eventually I was doing so much of the speaking, I thought, man, I, I need better soil to grow these toxins. So I went back to school. I went to Regent College out in Vancouver and got a master's in theology and, and thought that that would just be you know, kind of further nurture the, the teaching side of, of what I do. And shortly after I graduated from Regent, um, I saw on a Regent Facebook page, this posting that said, Renovari is looking for a director of education. And I can't remember if we talked about this the last time I was on the podcast, but when I saw that posting, I felt like somebody hit a tuning fork and put it against my chest. And I just started to kind of buzz, uh, just resonate. And I remember I'm talking to you, Karen, right now from my office. And I remember I got up from my office and I worked, walked out into the family room where my husband, Mark was. And I said, Mark, I think I know what I'm supposed to do when I grow up. And he said, Oh, that's, that's interesting. I thought you were plenty busy. And I said, no, I, I think I'm supposed to apply for this, this job. And so I did, I reached out to Renovari and they had said, uh, 
the person who did this job could do it anywhere in the US, but I was in Canada. So I, I sent them an email and pled my case. And they said, well, we want to be open to who the spirit might have for us. So go ahead and apply. And eventually they heard the, the tuning fork as well. And uh, that was seven years ago. So for seven years, I've had the privilege of, of this work with Renovari, which I, you know, it's amazing how often when I talk to people who are, who are getting to be our ages, when you look back on your life, it is amazing how God doesn't waste anything. He kind of uses all the different, all your little side alleys and your main roads, the things you've been, you know, passionate about, the things that have happened to you, you know, the, the ways you've been wounded, all of it, God will kind of use if you let him. So in this job, I look back and I, you know, I, I do use music in this job. I use teaching, I use writing, I use a passion I have for higher ed and this deep heart longing to know how it is that we live into our belovedness. Um, all of that kind of gets used in this job and it's, it's a riot. I couldn't, I couldn't be more grateful for it. This is a very simple question, but is Renovari an actual place? Is it like a, is it like a college that you go to or is it completely online now? I'm, I'm curious. I don't, I, I give me an understanding of that. Yeah. So it is, it is, our staff is virtual. So I'm in Vancouver, our president's in Chicago, the rest of our staff is scattered uh, around the U S um, and so we don't actually anymore have a, have a physical place. How we do the Institute is um, we start a new cohort every year uh, and each new cohort is attached to a new city, which means we're going to do the four week-long residencies that we do for that cohort in a particular city. And it doesn't mean that everyone who attends is from that city. In fact, people come from all over the world, but it just, we move it around to try to make it more accessible. So for example, the, the um, cohort that will start in the fall of 2023, we're going to hold all the residencies for that cohort in Omaha. So uh, yeah, every time it's a it's a new city. So we we move around and we are we are starting to uh, plan for a national gathering that will happen not just for the institute but for anyone who's a friend of Renovari or, or interested in what we're doing. That will happen in um, Colorado Springs, which is kind of a home base for Renovari because Richard Foster still kind of lives in that area, as does Nathan Foster. But really, we're all over the place. Yeah. You know, it's funny because probably that would have sounded really weird to us three years ago, but Gosh. now with pandemics, we're so used to interacting with people all over the world and realizing we can have access. Uh, it, we're no longer, you know, it doesn't have to be in the same place. Yeah, you know, we can bring ourselves into the same room. Uh, and it, it it is kind of wonderful to to see that happening. At the same time, it's really great to be together. Let's face it, a real hug is a real hug. <laughs> Absolutely. Never. You know, that's, that's, that's one of the things uh, I'd be interested to know how it is for the society. That's, that's one of the things we're discerning. Like we still really believe in getting people in the same room and there, and we never sort of want to give that up. In fact, during COVID, a lot of people said, why don't you just take the Renovari Institute completely online? And, uh, and we said, no, we're going to, we're going to pause it until we can have these week-long residencies together because we just believe that there's nothing like being in the same room together. At the same time, we started during COVID webinars as something to do, you know, while everybody was housebound. 
And we've had people um, all over the world really say, please don't stop the webinars because I'm in Singapore or I'm, you know, I, or I'm disabled. And I, 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 you know, I'm in a way that I'm never going to be able to intend some of these in-person things. So it's a both and, isn't it? When, when we can be together, we want to, but I sort of think about, you know, some of us, depending on if we're involved in different church traditions during COVID, they taught us how to have a spiritual communion, which is, you know, how to take communion when you can't have the physical elements. And so I'm so grateful that we can have a spiritual communion, but I'm also really grateful for, for bread and wine when it, you know, when it's available. And so learning, learning how to um, make both a part of what, how we move in the world and how we offer people, we're still working on getting the balance of that right, but glad to have both options now for sure. Yeah, I I would agree. I would say our world changed, but in some ways so much for the better. Our community is right around the world. And mm -hmm. I know for that reason, I think we share the same community. I think the people that are enjoying what you're doing are people that are enjoying Henry now. And, and uh, so uh, my joy is to introduce them to you today with the hope that number one, they will uh, uh, want to sign up and and take this course. And and we're even going to offer online uh, some links so that they'll be able to sample it and get a feeling for what it's about. And then if they want to do it, they can do it. That's pretty exciting. Um, yeah. I also loved your book. Uh, and it was interesting. I loved it so much that as soon as I was finished, I went and ordered two more copies. They're going out as gifts because I just thought it was terrific. But I want to read a quote from it here. My story is about what happens when a girl raised in fundamentalism slowly realizes that she has the spiritual temperament of a Christian mystic. That's mm. a great line. <laughs> You're, you, you know, and I felt that as I follow the book that you have a story to tell uh, mm. that's, that's quite interesting. Uh, take me through that. What does it mean to become a Christian mystic when you have that kind of background? Wow. Well, I, I would say I'm still becoming on that front, but, but yeah, that, that book. So you're referring to the book wrestling with angels, which actually was written many, many years ago. And it's amazing how it sort of keeps finding folks, um, whose, whose journey, you know, who's, who, who have some resonance, resonance with, uh, with my journey, but, um, that book is, yeah, it's a story about, I grew up thinking that, uh, faith was about having everything buttoned down, you know, just understanding everything, having mastering, being able to kind of summarize what you believe and why, you know, and maybe four or five easy steps that all start with the same letter, you know, that, that, that was how I was raised. And, um, I had an experience, which I write about in the book, uh, in my kind of my mid twenties, where all of a sudden I had a summer where I could no longer perceive the presence of God. And um, I had had the great gift of a God awareness from a very young age, so much so that um, until that experience, I couldn't understand how anyone could be alive in this world of wonders and not just sort of at least have a sense of transcendence, at least have a sense that there's something bigger than ourselves, something you know, it seemed obvious to me that there was something bigger to ourselves and that it was personal and creative and loving until this particular summer. And then I had no equipment or frameworks or paradigms or any way to process what was happening, you know? And so I had this, this feeling, I think I say in this book, this feeling of 
being betrayed and being a, a traitor? How could I have had the experiences I had of God and then suddenly not be able to uh, perceive him? Um, so that that summer, I was maybe about, I don't know, 24 or 25. And um, it started this long process of growing into a faith that is about what has been revealed. I, I truly believe that the eternal God has been revealed to us in the person of Jesus. And so that so many questions we have about who God is, is he good? Can he be trusted all the way down are answered in the person of Jesus. And yet uh, there is equally uh, a mystery. This God, of course, is beyond us. Otherwise he'd just be a really great human. And um, so my journey, my lifelong journey, it's the journey I'm still on, is uh, into a faith that not only survives, but thrives in, in the midst of an unanswered questions. You know, the thing, the mysteries that just lead us deeper and deeper into the wonder and beauty of who God is. That particular summer, uh, you know, because you've read it now, the, the way that particular summer came to some sort of re resolution was um, that whole summer happened uh, on a trip to Nashville. My husband, Mark, and I were staying in Nashville while my music career was getting going. And I, I kind of had this summer of quiet desperation where on the surface, everything was going great. My career was taking off. We were young. We were having fun. We were with our friends. But underneath, there was this quiet desperation of suddenly not being able to perceive God, suddenly having sort of all my frameworks plunged into mystery. And on the way home, we just hit these uh, canyons in Utah at sunset. It's as simple as that. We hit these canyons in Utah at sunset. We had we had driven through them on our way to Nashville, but it had been night, and we hadn't even really been aware of them other than the, a windy road. But we hit these canyons uh, at sunset uh, on the way home, and we're suddenly almost... I, I don't even know what words to use, like almost accosted with beauty. Like it was like unbearable, glorious uh, beauty. And uh, I just kind of felt like I heard uh, the Lord say to me something like what he said to Job, which is like, look, kiddo, <laughs> when, when you get to where you can explain how even this thing in your immediate vicinity came to be, then, then, you know, maybe someday we can get into the mysteries of how my world works and the problem of good and evil and, um, you know, transcendence and imminence and all the things you're grappling with. You're, you're, you know, I, you're my little image bearer and you're a little thimble that can hold a thimble's worth of the vast ocean of my miss, uh, you know, my goodness and my love. And so this is going to be a long journey into the mystery uh, together. And so, Certainly, my my questions were not all resolved and answered, but it was a little turning in my life um, to loving a God that is both closer than we can imagine and also more mysterious um, than we can possibly comprehend. And I've I've been learning in my Renovari years um, that there's a there's an understanding, especially in the early church, that our eternity with God will be an eternal traveling deeper and deeper into the wonder and mystery and beauty of who God is. I, I never thought, I never used to think of it that way. I used to think once, you know, once we get to the other side we uh, and we're face to face with God, then all our questions will be answered. But I've been learning that the way the early church saw this is that 
we will always be finite little creatures traveling deeper into the infinite wonder of God's beauty and goodness. And so I've already mentioned Chris Hall once. Chris Hall sometimes imagines that, that you know, God will show us something magnificent about who he is and his creativity and wonder and the love that gets passed between the father and son and spirit. And we'll go, oh, 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 this is better than anything I ever hoped. I, I'm going to need, I'm going to need some time to process this, uh, you know, and God will say, okay, you know, take 10,000 years or so, and then I'll show you something else. And there will just be this eternal journey. It will never get boring. It will never stagnate. We'll never get to the depths of God's wonder and beauty. And so wrestling with angels, the question, the, the book that you read is about kind of that my earlier years of beginning to turn and open up to that mystery instead of running screaming from it, uh, afraid for my life. That, that's what that book is about. I loved the book. And in it, I think the very story you've told confirms the freedom to mm. actually doubt that it's mm. not the enemy of God. Yeah. It actually might be the thing that brings you farther into faith if you could trust it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's my thesis. And I and I it's ended up being a, a huge kind of area that I love to teach and explore with people. I think that doubt is kind of a neutral thing. It's kind of the, what what bubbles up in the space of a couple of gaps. Uh, one gap is between what we were expecting out of life and what we're actually experiencing. And the other gap is between what our little you know, three pounds of gray matter or what our brain is capable of understanding and then everything there is to be understood. Um, there's a, a gap in those two areas between what, what we expected and what we're experiencing and between everything there is to be understood and what we're capable of understanding. And the sort of unease and cognitive di dissonance that bubbles up in those two gaps, I think is what, what we typically call doubt that's a neutral thing. In fact, that's even a, a full of redemptive and adventurous promise thing. It's what we do with that doubt that determines whether it's something that burns our faith down or refines it. And um, so, yeah, so a lot of my journey has been like when that, when I start to feel that dissonance, instead of running away, you know, either trying to make God smaller or me bigger, or just switch into autopilot and refuse to engage the questions. Um, instead to go, Ooh, okay. What's the invitation here? How are you wanting to uh, expand and grow my relationship with you, God? What do you think I'm ready for? Um, what are you, what are you ready to, to uh, stretch in me or invite me deeper into? Um, that makes all the difference, you know? So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Doubt I think it's Frederick Baekner who said that doubt is the ants in the pants of faith. It keeps it alive and moving. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. It, it's interesting as I as I journey along with you, by the way, in this in this whole process, and I and I think about it. I, I love this quote that I found in your book. I know I'm taking you back to something you wrote long ago. But my sense is that there's a consistency in you, Carolyn. I'm not afraid <laughs> to take you back because I have a feeling. You know, precept upon precept is growing in you. Anyway, it says, the more I get to know God, the more he scares me. Mm -hmm. It becomes increasingly evident that he's more awesome, more wonderful, more terrifying than I can think or imagine. He is infinitely beyond me. The more I understand, the more I see how much there is that I don't understand. God is mystery. 
Mm -hmm. I'm quite sure that in this course that you're going to give, because I've had a chance to sample it, guys, and I have to tell you, it's really good. I am convinced that it's going to give a very big, very delicious, very abundant God to anyone who takes this course. And it's going to, I, I mean, I must honestly admit, when I first heard the term, and this is several years ago, spiritual formation, I was clueless. I didn't know what that meant. I had mm. absolutely no clue. But I think you want to take us on a journey where we, in a sense, ask the right questions. And I truly believe you have to ask the right questions to get to the right answers. And and it's so with God. He gives us maybe different questions than we're asking, better questions than we're asking, mm. questions that give God room to be God. I'm very excited that this is something that we can offer to others. When I first contacted you is before we started 2023 and we were going to, and I was saying, you know, it'd be great to hear what your new year's resolutions were. Mm. Well, uh, that was kind of a silly place to begin, but we began to think about that this course has something to offer to people. It has something to give them. It has something to, to take them to a, to a, a new place in their walk with God. And I am delighted that we can do that. I often do podcasts with people because I want them to read somebody's book. I want them to taste and see that the Lord is good. And I think they will if they sign up to do this course. So I promise everybody who's listening, when you want to figure out how do I get to this, we'll give you links in our show notes and you'll be able to do it. And we will be delighted to say it's got our seal of approval. We're really excited about it. And I know you will enjoy Carolyn as a teacher. You just had a little taste today of what she thinks and how she, who she is. Oh, thank you, Karen. Yeah. I really, I really think that uh, it's funny when you said you, you heard the term spiritual formation and I was telling you, I really want to get the series that's been done, um, so I know some other writers have come alongside and gathered up some of Henry's writing. And there is one book that's all about sort of things he said about spiritual formation. Uh, but knowing we were going to talk today, I was talking to a, a couple of my colleagues about Henry and spiritual formation and my friend and colleague, Grace. She said, isn't this spiritual formation? And she sent me this quote from uh, Life of the Beloved. And it's where Henry says, if it, is, if it is true that we not only are the beloved, but also have to become the beloved, if it is true that we are not only our children of God, but also have to become children of God, if it is true that we are not only brothers and sisters, but also have to become brothers and sisters, if all that is true, how then can we get a grip on this process of becoming? If the spiritual life is not simply a way of being, but also a way of becoming, what then is the nature of this becoming? I think that's the spiritual formation question. What is What then is the nature of this becoming? If there's this invitation to recognize that we're the beloved and then live into our belovedness in a way that allows us to flourish and love other people well and act for good in the world, but also be at home in ourselves, um, that that process of becoming is um, spiritual formation. And that's what this course tries to tackle in uh, hopefully as jargon-free a way as possible. And we do it feeling like we have Henry, Henry's arm around us, you know, because he was one of the great guides in uh, how, how, do we, how do we say yes to this process of becoming. That's lovely. Thank you so much for being with us today. You are just a delight to talk with. And uh, 
I think of you as a full cup of good things, but also a really deep one. You've got a lot there to share. Um, I also really want to encourage people. I'm, I'm so thankful you joined us today, and I'm going to encourage them also to go to your website because you have just so many rich gifts. Music is obviously one of the center points within you. I'm discovering there's many, but honestly, they'll love your album. So thank you. Thank you, Karen. It's a joy as always. Carolyn is offering us the very things that can help us grow in our faith. You'll find links in the show notes for this podcast to this course Renovari is offering. It's called From the Inside Out, Discovering a Deeper and More Transformative Life with God. In preparation for our podcast today, I watched all six episodes and I can tell you, you will not be disappointed. I hope you come away from this interview with Carolyn Ahrens as inspired and moved as I was. To really know this very talented artist and experience the fullness of the gift of her creativity, we'll post links in our notes to Carolyn Ahrens' website. I hope you've already signed up to receive our free daily meditations. They're written by Henry Nowen. If not, you can do that on our website at henrynowen.org. Remember, they're free, and they're a wonderful way to stay informed about the various things we have to offer to those who enjoy the writings and the teachings of Henry Nouwen. We would also be so grateful if you'd consider donating to the Henry Nouwen Society. Your resources help us share the daily meditations and these podcasts right around the world. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please take time to give us a review or a thumbs up or pass this on to your friends and family. Thanks for listening. Until next time.